Choir and orchestra, thank you for blessing us so very much. Uh, uh, you know, we make much of Jesus Christ. Uh, we should make much of Jesus Christ. He is Savior and Lord of life, and He is the only hope for this world. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved than the exclusive singular name of Jesus Christ. Well, the other day after one of our services, after we had voted to sell the property here, I was talking with someone right down here. He's a longtime member, fine, fine individual, very supportive of the move, very supportive of what God's doing in the church. But we were standing there, and he was kind of reminiscing a little bit. He said, you know, I have so many wonderful memories in this room. I, I, he said he started pointing out places that things had happened that stuck in his memory and his mind, good things that had happened. And he said, you know, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that. But he said, I remember, I remember, I remember. And I got to thinking, you know, memory is a marvelous gift of God. God could have made us with no memory. Obviously, some politicians he made with no memory. <laughs> if they just think what happened before, they wouldn't do that again. But anyway, but memories are marvelous gifts of God because it helps us to go back to those situations, people, places, things, uh, those things that happened in our past or uh, maybe in the distant past or the immediate past, things that we've learned from, things that somehow have affected who we are in the present. Uh, memory is a marvelous, marvelous gift of God. But you know, the problem is sometimes folks get stuck in the past remembering uh, they, they think of what happened way back, and they stay way back. And while that may be good to reflect on the past, it is an unhealthy situation for a Christian. Because, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Yesterday is gone. It's over. Finished. I, I, years ago when I was on staff of the church in Atlanta, I, I was talking with a young man who was very, very wealthy, but his family was in, in a mess. And he had done some things that he shouldn't have done. And we were talking, and he had a lot of depression and guilt. And I asked him, I said, have you asked God to forgive you of that? He said, oh, Brother Glenn, I've asked God a million times to forgive me. I said, there's your problem. I said, you ask him one time to forgive you and then praise him 999,999 times that he has forgiven you. The past is gone. We only have the present. In fact, we don't even have tomorrow yet. Tomorrow will take care of the things for itself. But we have today. We have the present. Why do you think we call the present present? Because it's a gift. You see, a present is a gift. When you have to explain these, it takes a lot longer with the sermon. So you're going to have to stay up with me. We have the present. So if we're going to remember, what are we going to remember? If we need to remember to reflect on the past in order to face the future, what should we as a Christian remember? Well, God's Word is not void. God helps us as we think about what should we remember. And there's three things, and somehow you knew there'd be three, didn't you? If I had longer to preach, it'd be four things. But there's three things this, long, this morning. Three things that as a child of God, we should remember we should reflect back upon to help us in dealing with the present 
and God willing, the future. Number one, remember his mercy that is extended to us. If you have your Bibles, be finding the book of Habakkuk. And I'm going to give you a while to do that. It's right before Zephaniah. That ought to give you, give you a lot of help. It's a marvelous book. It's a very small book. But in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, the prophet is praying to God. And he says something most interesting. He says, God, in your wrath, remember mercy and revive thy people in the midst of the days. Isn't that interesting? He says, God, in your wrath, oh, God, remember mercy and revive thy people. That's not only a good verse back then. That is a great verse for America today. Amen? Amen? I'm going to say it one more time. Amen? Amen. Amen. You see, I don't think any of us, including the speaker who's talking to you right now, can fully understand how God's burning fury is against sin. God hates sin. Proverbs 6 says, These six things doth the Lord God hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him. And then there's a list of six things that are not acts, but attitudes. They're, they're what comes out of our hearts. See, sin is not what I do with my hands. Sin is what starts in my heart that takes it to my hands. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Why, why do we do the things we do? Because it comes out of our heart. Some of you men, if you're a handyman, I'm not. Lord, I just call somebody and pay whatever it costs because it costs twice as much to undo something that I try to fix. Susan says just call the repairman and have him fix it. But if you're out working on something and all of a sudden you're over here hammering and boom, you hit your finger. You're speaking in tongues right there on the spot. Where do those words come from? Right out of your heart. You see, you're so lucky to have me as the interim pastor of this church. Brother Glenn, you're just so good. You're so in control. You're a man of God. Cut me off in the parking lot leaving and you'll find out what kind of man of God I am. <laughs> Where do those things come from? They come right out of us. That's why we have to be spirit controlled. That's why the world acts the way it does. There's no control of the spirit. People just do what feels good. They do what comes naturally. And doing what comes naturally is not honoring to God. And so God's mercy. You see, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. We deserve judgment. I deserve judgment. You deserve judgment. But because of his marvelous mercy. You see, God loves us, but he hates sin. And if God lets one half of one sin pass by, then God stops being holy and God stops being God. And so Sin has to be dealt with. He loves us, but he hates sin. He hates it. It's a burning fury about, about God. Look at some of the end time writings and see when, when the age of grace is pretty much past and God clouds up and rains on this old world. His fury comes up in his face because of sin. It's sin that cost Jesus Christ his life. 
It is sin that cost God putting his one and only son on the cross. Because you see, the sin has to be judged. And so Christ took my sin, your sin. Now listen to me. The sin of the entire world he took. And he took it upon himself. And there in a short period of time, he suffered the judgment and the hell that each person would suffer because of their own personal sin. God's mercy then overflows because he gives me that mercy in place of the judgment that comes my way. You see, when we put our trust where God put our sin, and that's on the cross of Calvary, we're radically changed inside because of why? Because I'm such a good boy? No, because of the mercy of God. You ought to get up every day and thank God for a clear mind. You ought to get up each day and thank God for a deep breath. And you ought to get up each day of the morning and thank God for his enduring, long-lasting mercy. We serve a merciful God. And all God's people said, amen. So we remember his mercy extended to us. But we also remember his sacrifice provided for us. Luke chapter 23 is my text, if you want to join me. Luke 23. Luke 23 reminds us of that story, of that cruel day on the cross. Jesus is suspended between heaven and earth. He's deserted by man and forsaken by God as he is made sin for us. And on that cross, as he's hanging there, there are two people, one on each side, One rails against him and says, if you be the son of God, get us down, get yourself down, get us out of this situation. The one on the other side says, why are you saying all of this? Friend, you and I getting justly what we deserve. We deserve judgment and we're getting judgment. But this man has done nothing. Lord, not if, but when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, I'll think about it. Oh, maybe. There's no water around. We haven't baptized you yet. Uh, are, are you a member of the First Baptist Church of Daytona Beach? No. His sacrifice was sufficient for him to say, today you will be with me in paradise. We remember his mercy extended to us. But, oh, dear friend, don't forget his sacrifice. Remember his sacrifice that is provided for us. Because, you see, on that cross, he paid the price. He paid the debt. He did what you and I would have had to do in eternity forward, separated from God. The book of Hebrews is one of my favorite books. I think Dr. Luke did a marvelous job in writing Hebrews. Oh, I know some of you think Luke wrote it. I mean, some of you think uh, Peter wrote it or Paul wrote it. But Dr. Luke wrote it, in my opinion. Hebrews chapter 10, listen to what the Bible says, beginning in verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin? But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. 
For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. In the Old Testament, the priest would go in and make the sacrifice on the mercy seat, and the people's sins were not blotted out. They would roll forward next year. So the next year, the priest would go in and do the same thing over and over and over again. And it says here that's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. But look down in verse 11. But every high priest standeth ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, one sacrifice forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstools. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest uh, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated through us, through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. His sacrifice, ladies and gentlemen, is one time forever. One time forever. There's nothing left for us to do but receive what he has done, one sacrifice forever. You don't have to come to the church every year and ante up again. I don't have to go through some ritual down here to assure you of your salvation. He offered one sacrifice forever to those who will receive it, to those who will receive it. Now, I believe he made sacrifice for the sin of the entire world, but is everybody going to be saved? No. Why? Because it is incumbent upon us to receive what he has offered. Back when I was in college, I almost became a lawyer. In fact, I gave strong consideration to being a lawyer because of one of the teachers that I had, Buddy Knapper. He was a state senator in Louisiana. He was a marvelous lawyer, trial lawyer, a marvelous teacher. And he taught me contract law when I was in school, and I just loved it. I loved him, and he had a great impact on my life. And, and one of the things he taught us in contract law is for a contract, there has to be a valid offer and a valid acceptance for there to be a contract. In other words, let's say I have an automobile, and I want to sell it to you, and you would like to buy it. And so I say, here's my car right here. And uh, you can kick the tires, whatever else you want to do. Uh, and I want X number of dollars for my car. I've got the title right here. And you walk around, look at it, and you look at the price, and we, we uh, go back and forth on the price, and you say, I want that car. And I said, okay, here's the thing. And I sign it, and he signs it, and he hands me a check, and I hand him the keys, and he goes off. There's been a valid offer. I offered the car and a valid acceptance, he has received the car. We've evidenced it by the other things, the giving of the keys, the transfer of the title, the money, all that sort of thing. When God put his son on that cross, he made an offer. Here's the offer. Your sins can be forgiven. But for the contract to be valid, there has to be an acceptance. Let's go back to the illustration of the car. What if I have the car and Doug wants a car? And I said, Doug, I'll offer you my car. I want X number of dollars. And uh, Doug says, I'm not sure. So then I go to Jack and I say, Jack, I sold Doug my car. He says, you did? I said, yeah. He said, well, why is it still in your parking lot? I I said, I don't know. I don't know. 
So he goes then to Doug and says, Doug, I hear you, you bought Glenn's car. No, I didn't. He said you did. Does he have a check for me? Has he signed the bill of sale over to me? Has he signed the title over to me? Has it? No. You see, I can say all day long that I sold the car to Doug, but until something is accepted on his part, there's no sale. Until you receive Jesus Christ, there's no sale. You have a responsibility. God offers it. You have to receive it. And when you say, well, I'll think about it, that's no, that's no receipt. That's, that's not, not receiving it. And therefore, it is as if, now listen to me very carefully, for you to reject Jesus Christ, it's as if he never died for you because there's no sale. Now, he did die for you. But for you to say no, friend, you will go to an eternity in hell because you have rejected the sacrifice that was offered to you by Jesus Christ. You must, you must, you must say yes to the offer that has been made to you. God made a covenant, a contract with you. And for that contract to be valid, there has to be a valid acceptance. Oh, my soul. He has made a splendid offer. He stretched out his arms on a cross and said, I love you this much. You have to respond in faith to that. You say, well, Brother Owens, I don't even understand all of this. That's okay. Nobody understands it all. That's where trusting by faith. You see, God knows our heart. and he, God knows our mind. He knows we can only go so far in understanding what that kind of love is like. Love without restraint. Love unmerited. Love that just loves. And so you say, I don't even understand how that works. And he says, my child, trust me. And friend, let me tell you, when you trust him, he'll give you the faith to believe. And all of a sudden, it'll just be real to you. I can't explain it any other way than what happened to me. I didn't have it all figured out as a 10-year-old boy. I still don't have it all figured out. In fact, I know less now than I did as a 10-year-old. Because the more I study, the more grandeur there is to it. The more depth there is to it. The more height, width, and breadth there is to it. We will never fully understand it, but we trust by grace through faith that that sacrifice on that cross was sufficient to save somebody like Glenn Owens who is a reprobate, rotten to the core. And if God can save me, I guarantee you, God can save you. Oh, we got to remember, friends, his mercy. Oh, we never, ever, ever forget his marvelous sacrifice. But there's something else. Not only his mercy and his sacrifice, we need to remember his grace. His grace, not only that saved him, uh, saves us, but his grace that surrounds us. His grace every day. Again, go back to the book of Hebrews for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 8 Let's begin reading, well, just all is so good. Let's begin in verse 10, Hebrews 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. Through creation and conscience, everybody knows there's a God. There is no atheist in hell. 
They may be when they get there, but one split millisecond after being there, they will know they have made a huge mistake and that there is a God. Everybody knows there's a God. Verse 12, for I will be merciful unto their unrighteousness and their sin and their iniquity will I remember no more. God's grace covers it all. You know, we believe in a God that can do anything, right? Amen? I'll tell you one thing God can't do. He can't see my sin through the blood of his son. It's gone. Praise his name. It's gone. It's gone. His grace is sufficient to cover all of that. His grace is sufficient to to make me appear to him covered by the blood. We have an acrostic, grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's what grace is. You see, we don't think the same way God thinks. When God forgives, God forgets. You see, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. And there's mercy and grace in Jesus Christ. When you stop and think about it, when you stop and really think about your past and his marvelous mercy, when you stop and think about our present life as we live each day and the sacrifice that he has made for us, and when you stop and contemplate that one day as a believer in Jesus Christ, we're going to go to a place called heaven to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. And when you think of that and the grace of God that brings us to that point, about all you can say is thank you, Lord. 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 What are you remembering today? Let me tell you something about what some folks remember. Some folks remember the bad things. Let God deal with that in your life. His grace and mercy has covered it. But you say, Brother Owens, there's some bad things that have happened in my life. People, some situations, forgive them and give them to God, then they're his problem. You just step out of the argument. Forgive them. Say, well, they wronged me. Well, you wronged God. So there's no ante up. But each of us understands that there are things that happen in our life that if we're not careful, we dwell on them and we think about them. Let me tell you something. You hear nothing else I say this morning. God has a healer for those difficult, difficult moments as a Christian. And let me tell you what his healer is. It's time and his spirit. Give you an example. I dare say in a crowd this size, everybody in here has lost a loved one. 95% of have lost a loved one. Probably a parent, mother, father. Certainly most of us, a grandparent, a grandmother, grandfather. God forbid it would be a child. But every one of us have experienced the loss of a loved one. And it's deep. It hurts. I remember the day I was at work when I got a call that my dad had died. I'd seen him on Sunday, Monday afternoon, he's dead. I had to drive all the way from work 
back over to the house. And when I drove in, I lived in a small town. The whole town was at the house. You know how that is. And I remember, because I love my dad. I'd just been married six months. Just started a job, had my whole life in front of me, and my dad's gone. And I remember so being so alone. And I remember the hurt, the gut-wrenching hurt in my heart that my dad had died. But you know now, I can talk about that, and there's not the hurt. Oh, I still miss him. But you see, what God does with time is he takes the barbs out, the real hurt, and he gives you those wonderful memories. He gives you those sweet times. So today when I think of my dad, I don't think of the funeral service. I think of the one time he took me fishing. <laughs> one time. He was not a fisherman. And at the time, I didn't even understand it. He said, let's go fishing. I'm like, what? We're going fishing? He didn't fish. But he had heard somebody say, you ought to take your son fishing. So we went fishing. And I don't even remember all of it, but I remember he, he went out and bought two Zebco spinning reels. You ever seen those things? They're good for one cast, and that's it. They don't work anymore. And he put a bait on the end of it. It was called a Hawaiian wiggler. I'll never forget it. It was a metal bait. He tied it on there, and he said, all right, we're going to fish. I said, okay. And he went, and it broke. And I can remember seeing that bait go through those trees. Ding, 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 ding. He said something. I won't repeat what he said, but anyway. <laughs> and we put some more bait on there. I don't think we caught a fish. But I went fishing with my dad. One of the first things I did when Kent was old enough to know what a fish was, I took him fishing. Because God gave me that sweet, sweet memory but the hurt of that afternoon when I found that he had died on a car deal out in the middle of the country, that's gone. That's gone. I'm telling you, God will flood your heart with the good things of life if you will let him. Don't hold on to those other things. You get to wanting to remember Look around this room. Don't think about we're leaving here. We're going there. We're going to go out there and make some memories that are going to surpass anything that's ever happened down here. Not that what happened down here wasn't good, but friend, you ain't seen nothing yet compared to what God's going to do. When your mind wants to go back, remember his mercy. When your mind wants to go back, remember his sacrifice. When your mind wants to go back, remember his grace. And I'm going to tell you, it'll flood out all of the other junk this old world has to offer. Do you know Christ as Savior and Lord of life? Life will never make sense until you make him the center linchpin of your life. Today, are you prayed up? Are you confessed up? Are you serving the way you should? 
we're going to have opportunities for folks to serve in places we've never even heard of in a few months when we break ground. We need you to be involved. You have to be involved for this to be successful. So remember his goodness, but let's think in terms of how that's going to translate into our future. And let's go make some more memories so 10 years from now we can remember those memories. Amen? That was about halfway. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for memory. We thank you that we can remember things. And Lord, there's so many things happened in all of our lives, good and bad. We've learned from all of it, good and bad. But Lord, help us never to forget your mercy, your sacrifice, and your grace. For cause that has changed not our life, but our eternity. And as the church gets ready to make a transition from here to a new campus, help us to remember the wonderful things that have happened here in this building. But understand that God who did it here is the God who wants to do it there. And so, Lord, we take those memories with us, but we're prepared to make some new memories with you. Today, if there's somebody here who's never trusted Christ, I pray your spirit would speak to that heart and help them to understand that Jesus Christ is God's answer for every heart hunger need they have. Help them to come today. Help us to help them as they come today. Maybe there are others here today who need to rededicate lives. There are Christians, even fine members of this church, but we've let sin, unconfessed sin, or apathy, or arrogance, or maybe we've just grown cold in our obedience. Maybe some need to come and kneel at this altar, not talk to anybody but you, and reconfirm that which was confirmed in their heart years ago, and get involved in what we're doing. Maybe there are those who need to come and join this church by letter, statement, or any other way she would receive members. Maybe there's some that need to come and just kneel at this altar and just talk to you. Maybe they've had a doctor's report this week. Maybe they have a wayward child. Maybe they're facing a financial situation. And just talking to you has a marvelous, marvelous way. Not that you may change things, but you hear and you guide them through those things. And when we come out on the other side, we'll be better for it. So, Lord, any decision today that will bring honor and glory to your Son, our Savior, I ask you to bless it for Christ's sake.